Welcome to the East Coast Believers Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Norm. I want to minister a new series that I'm going, when I'm preaching in May, that I'll be ministering called Jonah. And um, what's interesting about this series is um, this is the third time I've tried to preach this to our church. And, uh, and then every time I get ready to minister it, um, I start in last, last summer, uh, I just never felt compelled to do it. And of all days in prayer, I felt like I was supposed to bring this message for the month of May. And so what I'm saying is, is you're, you're not here by accident to hear this message. I believe this divinely sovereign will of God that you're here to be challenged and inspired. I'm holding in my hand a Bible. Remember these things called paper Bibles? Um, well, uh, in this Bible, it was, this Bible was written by 41 authors over a period of 1,500 years by men from all different walks of life, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not all of them were perfect. A lot of them had a lot of challenges and issues in their life. And what's interesting about it, they all tell the exact same story, and there's not one single discrepancy in the entire Bible. The Bible never contradicts itself. Think about that over 1,500 years, 41 different authors from fishermen to, to leaders to poets to kings to prophets to, 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 to servants and to people who have gone through awful things in their life. Not one single discrepancy in here. That's amazing to me. Now in this Bible is a book called Jonah. In the middle of the Old Testament, towards the two-thirds of the way through it, is a story about Jonah. Now Jonah, a lot of people today would say that couldn't be true. If you've heard the story of Jonah, you think, well that just can't be true. And the main character is this guy named Jonah. He was a prophet. And I wanted to minister on this because I think there's a Jonah in all of us. And some of us, we all have some of the same tendencies as even Jonah did. And I hope in this series, some things in your life that you're, you're confronted with and you're challenged with. Here it starts off in Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to start reading here in verse 1. They'll put these verses for you up on the screen. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But here's, I think here's where a lot of us can relate. But Jonah, he got up and he went the opposite direction. Am I preaching to the right group of people at all in here today? Like God said something and you thought, no, God, I got something better to do. I'm going to go the opposite direction. And here's why he did it, to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, he got up and went the opposite direction. And I'm sure nobody would ever do that today. Like if God asks you to do something, you're going to do something completely opposite, completely different. What's interesting about the def Jonah, by definition, his name means, here it is, the reluctant prophet. Jonah is the reluctant prophet. He's a prophet, but he was reluctant. And so, which I want, if you take a note, I want you to start off your notes this morning with this thought. The reluctant, and I want you just to fill in the blank. Like where are you being reluctant in obeying God in an area of your life? Because Jonah, God said, do something, and Jonah said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I think all of us, God's asked us to do something, and sometimes we've, we've run from God. And my question is, are you running to God, or are you running from God? 
And here's the good news about that statement, is God has a pursuit mentality. I know the church hasn't really taught this part about God, but God's been chasing you your entire life. Like God's been pursuing you, and even when you're in disobedience, God still pursues you. Now let me give you the backstory of Jonah. He's an eighth, eighth century prophet. Now something about Jonah, maybe some of us wouldn't know, is Jonah was sort of a celebrity in his day. And uh, he was sort of, he was a well-known prophet. He would be like the most well-known, you know, minister like in America today. Everyone, if you called his name out, maybe like a, a Joel Osteen or something, you would, people would know who it was. That was who Jonah really was back then. You can find his name squeezed into um, 2 Kings chapter, I think, 7 or 8. He's prophesying about Israel. He's prophesying good times and prosperity and blessing upon them. Well, then here we pick it up here. And, and Jonah, here's a side of Jonah that not, maybe some of us didn't know. And in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1, this is what it says. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. And here's the message. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 2. He said, uh, 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 announce how wicked its people are. And, and so he's... He's doing this, and I, and I guess the question that I would ask is how many would, if you were really well known, and you were really famous, how many of you would really want to go out and just go somewhere? Because we're reading it thousands of years later, we're like, of course, Jonah, you're going to get swallowed by a fish. Of course you want to, you should go do that. But how many would want to go somewhere to a city that you've never been and walking around announcing them how much God does not for you, and he's against you, and he's, you're wicked? How many would ever want to do something like that? And here's the reason why I want to bring this to your attention. Because Jonah's been known for prophesying good things and saying good things. And now God's asked him to do something different. And here's what I know about human nature. None of us like change. You change anything and people get upset. You change the furniture in their living room and they're like, hey, put it back. Like my chair's always been there. I'll tell on my dad, I know it's Mother's Day, but my dad has a certain fork he likes to eat with. One fork out of a hundred in their house. And if you use that fork, I know, man, it's, it, these are my genes, I hate to tell you guys, but you use that fork like, and he wants to know who has it. He, he doesn't like change. And God's challenging us sometimes to do something different, and we run from him. And here's what I want to throw this thought out, because maybe... In this modern day presentation of God that we haven't thought about this. And here it is. Not everything God asks you to do is what you want to do. Am I preaching to the right group here today? Because sometimes God asking you to do something that you don't want to do. Like you, you might not want to do it. And so what we do is like Jonah, we play hide and seek. Almost like a toddler. If you have toddlers, you ever play hide and seek with them? Like you count, to, you count the 10 and they'll walk four steps and hide behind a chair or even cover their eyes. And they'll just say 10. And you're looking, where are you? You know, Caleb, where are you? And he goes, I'm right here, daddy. And, and I think sometimes we play that with God. Like we're, we think we're running from God and we're hiding from God. And I want you to know you can't ever run from God. You can't ever hide from God. And in verse 2, like Jonah, God said, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go and announce my judgment. And I know a lot of you would say like, hey, God, I'll be your Jonah. I would love to do that. I would love to go around announcing your judgment on some people. Right? But now notice here in verse 3, but Jonah, but Jonah got up. 
And he went in the opposite direction to get away. And here's what I want to throw this, this new series of this question out. What are you currently doing, number one, that God's not asking you to do? And what are you not doing that God is asking you to do, that God wants you to do? Like maybe it's repair a relationship. Maybe it's to lead a small group. Maybe it's to, maybe it's to get involved on a team. Maybe it's to like become part of the East Coast Believers family. Maybe it's to do something really generous for someone. Maybe it's to start a business. Maybe it's to, maybe it's to consider like letting God's vision. Maybe it's to go on a missions trip. God's dream come to pass for your life. And I'm asking you, what will it take for us to obey God? And in this series, I hope to answer that. Jonah got up and he went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. But he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Here's what I want you to write this thought down. It's easier to find a boat sailing in the wrong direction sometimes than it is to do what God's requiring of you. If we've presented it sometimes that serving the Lord is always easy, doesn't require any sacrifice, it doesn't require any discomfort, well, sometimes it's easier. And he bought a ticket, spent some money to run from God. And, and uh, maybe today you're here and you're in a boat heading the wrong direction. And here's, here's, my good, here's some good news for you. And, 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 and I, I really want you to get this with God. You're never too far gone for God. You're never too late for God. You know, I, as a young man, I loved business and I was consumed. When I was in high, high school and college, I was consumed with success and I let the world define what success was and, and somehow or another, the world tried to define what success was versus significance. And I think a lot of us are searching for success. Really what you're looking for is significance. And I want you to know that God has a plan for you. And, and I, like I, I have friends. I, I have a friend. I was just talking to him this week. He said, I, I became a, he's a medical doctor. He said, I became a medical doctor so I could be a missionary. Like he, it's, it's, not, it's not like, you know, if you serve God that, that, that you can't ever have any influence or success. And I want to just dispel a myth right now about God and his plan for your life. And here it is. God has good plans for your life. God's plans aren't bad, they're not awful, they're not rotten. They might require some discomfort, but Jeremiah 29 verse 11, you all know it. It says, the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for what? For good, oh come on, that was weak. They are plans for what? Like God has good plans and not for disaster. He wants to give you a hope and a future. I think we think we always have a better plan for our life than God has a plan for our life. And God's plan is always better. Not always easier, but always better. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember he was in the garden, it wasn't easy going to the cross, but it was the best plan for him. And so now here's Jonah chapter one and verse four. I wanna, I wanna dig in this with you. Here it says in verse four, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. And here's a side that maybe you don't know this, but sometimes there will be storms that come in your life. And storms are designed, if taking notes, write this thought down, storms will come to get your attention. And here's the reason why. 
Jonah, and I know nobody here could ever relate to this. Certainly not first servers. Jonah was stubborn. And these storms came, and actually in the, in the Hebrew, it actually doesn't even, it reads, when it says hurled there, actually it reads God allowed. He didn't even, he didn't, God allowed this. He's, and here's the reason why. Jonah's boat, theologians, I was reading about this a few, actually about a year ago, Jonah's boat was 1,000, 1,000 miles off course. His boat at this time was 1,000 miles off near Nineveh, where he's supposed to be. And this storm came along. And let me say this to you. If you're in the will of God, when storms come, you'll stand strong. Let me say that again. If you're in the will of God, when storms come, you'll stand strong. If you're out of the will of God, like Jonah was, when storms come, you're going to fall apart. And I want to read to you verse 8, what happened here. So he's in the boat. He says, why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should, we do, what should we do to you to stop this storm? And I love Jonah's response. He said, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Hey, guys, I, you can say what you want about Jonah, but one thing I liked about him, he owned what he, where he was. He didn't, he didn't blame his boss. He didn't blame the economy. He didn't blame his parents. He didn't blame his kids. He didn't blame his God. He didn't blame his church. He didn't blame his pastor. <laughs> like, he owned it. He said, this is just where I am. And so, verse 15 says something incredible. Then the sailors picked Jonah up. And this is probably where the point of controversy comes in this story. And threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered, him a they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Here's what I want to say to you. God arranged something. And I believe it. And this is why I couldn't preach this last year. I believe God's starting to arrange some things in people's lives right now. And I think, like, I would have to ask myself, when I was, like, breaking this part and reading it and, and trying to dissect this story and, and, and get some messages out of it, I thought, well, what, what was going on inside the fish for three days? Here's one thing I know Jonah wasn't doing. He wasn't on social media. He wasn't on his Twitter reading what's going on around the world. He wasn't Facebooking everyone how awful it is. How many likes did I get? Let me make my story a little bit worse so I get some more sympathy on here. He wasn't doing any of that. One, what I do know for certain is this. It was pretty hot and stinky and smelly in there. I'm guessing, I don't know this, but I'm guessing he probably had some regrets in his life at this moment. But one thing I do know for certain that was going on inside the belly of the well how I know for certain what was going on, 
Because Jonah chapter two and verse one tells us exactly what it is. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. And this is what he said. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. I want you to get this thought down because this is really important for a lot of people. You are never too, go- ne- never too far gone for God to get involved. Like, I don't know where you are. Maybe you said, I've tried to start a business before. Maybe I've tried to be on a team, lead a small group. Maybe I've wanted to go on a missions trip, and I ha- but, but I just, like, it's just not working. Maybe I want to be married, but I failed at it before. Maybe I want to have children. It hasn't worked for me. You are never too far gone for God to get involved. And in verse 9, this is what happened to this story. As we go on, he's praying. He ends this prayer by saying, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will, and I hope this is what comes out of this series, I will fulfill all my vows. Like I'm gonna do it. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I like it. I like it. God got his attention. He started to get back on track for the plans that God had for him. And then what happened after his prayer, a lot of us, we say, oh, we pray that prayer. We pray that you know, prayer just out of desperation. But let me tell you what Jonah did. Chapter three and verse one, it says this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. God spoke to him again. He said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given, to, given you. This time, verse three, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days for all to see it all. This time, what I want you to notice about Jonah, he, this time, he obeyed. And so here's, my, here's what I'm gonna preach on. What, what do you do with this story? We, we, we have to conclude that this story really happened. Like this isn't just, come on, I know it's, it sounds corny to say this, but this is not some fish tale. You know, this is not just some story made up to get a point across. Like, this really happened. And, and Jonah did all that stuff. Oh, he, God spoke to him. He disobeyed. He tried to run from the Lord. A, a fish, he got thrown over because of a storm. A fish came and, 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 and swallowed him. And he's in the belly for three days. He prayed. He said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. The fish spit him out. And this time, he obeyed the vow he made to the Lord. And so what, what do you do with all this? And I was thinking, why would people not want to obey God? Like, I don't know what it is to start a business. Some of you are supposed to start businesses. Some of you are supposed to join a team. Some are supposed to lead a small group. Some, some, some are supposed to repair a relationship in your life. Some are supposed, maybe might be people here that are supposed to be foster parents. I don't know what it is. God's calling you to do something. And why would we not obey? And I think sometimes... We have to be more concerned with obeying God than looking foolish in front of other people. Like more concerned about what God thinks than what people think. And here's what I think. And after all these years of pastoring, I, I just think people, they just want to make a difference with their lives. I think the sum of humanity is this. I just want to make a difference with my life. I think we all realize the brevity of life. I think we all realize that we don't get to live on planet Earth forever. And I think we all just want to make a difference 
in our lives. And, and all I'm saying to you is, like, get on God's side. Get on God's team. How many know God needs you on his team? Like, you're a whole lot better on God's team. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 9. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. In other words, Jesus is saying, there's a lot to do on planet Earth, but I need some more people on my team. Uh, like, like, we need you. What I'm saying to you, there's room for you to get on God's side. There's room for you to get on God's team. There's room for you to do something great for God, like in your prayer life, in your finances, in your service, in, in how you interact with others. God needs you. Like, like, I don't know why I'm prayer this morning. Like, I don't even know if this is for this service, next service, or for those watching online. Like, I, I think there are some people that God wants to be foster parents. Like God, and God's been talking to you about it, but you just haven't done it yet. And I'm saying, God, God needs you. I love this verse in Ezekiel 22, 22 and verse 30. It says this, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall. There's your Donald Trump verse for the day. Uh, just kidding. Don't, I thought it was funny. And uh, Build the wall. Um, uh, just kidding. I know some of you are be mad. I'm just having fun. Uh, don't worry. I won't do that again next service. Every once in a while, these thoughts come to your mind. Dina says to me, why do you say that stuff? And I'm like, I don't know either. But... Um, Let's start this again. Ezekiel 22. I looked for a man among them. You've got to read your Bible and laugh sometimes because it is funny. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. And, I, and, and it's sad, but here's what God said. But I found none. Like I'm looking for someone, but I can't find anyone. And that's like Jonah I need someone to do something for me, but I can't find anybody. Like I need, like, Nineveh needed that. Jonah didn't want to do it. And God's looking for everybody in here to do something that has significance. And he, he, he needs you. And I was thinking, why? Why wouldn't I do this? I guess, to be very blunt, why would I say no to God? And I thought to myself, why, why would I say no to God? And I know you're sitting here thinking, no, I would never say no to God. But how many know we've all said no to God sometime in our life? Why would I say no to God? Why would I not repair that relationship? Why would I not serve on a team? Why would I not be a part of a small group? Why would I not go on a missions trip? Why would I not... Go share my faith. Why would I not go pray with someone? Come on, I've got lots of regrets in my life too. And I, and I was thinking about it, and I wrote down a couple thoughts. I'm going to start wrapping it up with this. This will lead into my next part of this series. Why would someone, like, because I think there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. Because I have to read that. And something occurred to me last year when I was reading this story in my devotions. That Jonah wasn't just a story in the Bible just so we could tell a story. Jonah was a story in the Bible because it relates to all of our lives. And why would we say no to God? And I just thought about a couple of things, and maybe this will help some of you. I think number one is because we're, um, if you're taking notes, write it down, we're afraid, we're afraid of the past. 
I want to, Pastor, but you just don't, you don't know my story. You don't know my failures. And just an FYI, when Jesus built his team, his 12 disciples, like they all had a past. They were far from perfect. And none of them went to seminary. None of them had any experience. And they all had a past. And they were just ordinary people. And too many of us have bought into the lie that your past disqualifies you from, being, from God using you. And in fact, I'm gonna say something quite the contrary. I think that your past doesn't disqualify God from using you. I honestly think your past qualifies God for using you. That's like if you're here and you've had an abortion, you, I mean, religion has taught you that God's done, he's through, he's, he's over you. And in fact, I think it's just the opposite of that. I think someone have gone through something like that that's so emotional and so painful and so hard that today you can help somebody. Like that's what I feel like. Like, oh, pastor, I've gone through multiple relationships, divorces, and my family's broken, and you just don't understand. i got to get all that right before God could ever use me. Quite the contrary. I think because you've gone through all that, you understand the pain associated with that. You can help someone who's struggling with that right now. Like, we, we can't be afraid of our past. And here's what I want to tell you. You want the answer, the antidote to this? You have to let go of the past so it can let go of you. You gotta let go of the past so it can let go of you. Like today, like, I'm making a decision. I'm done with this. I love this verse in Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. It says this, God's gift, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. Nothing you can do. There's not enough failures in your life that you can do for God to say, I'm done with you. And here's the reason I'm saying this. What I know is, too many of us are hiding behind failures. Too many of us are saying, man, I'm just, I can't do that again. God's never, here's what I, wanna, I want you to know. God's never, ever giving up on you. I think here's another reason why we don't obey God. Why there's a little bit of Jonah in us. Number two is I think we're afraid. We're afraid of what people think. I think a lot of us are, are like that. And it's sort of, you know, like, like I call it the Noah mentality versus the Jonah mentality. Noah, he built the boat. There was no rain. He's building the boat. People are mocking him. He's just faithfully, he's just sawing logs and, you know, hammering boards. And uh, people are mocking him. What are you building it for? Versus the Jonah mentality, which is, I mean, he just, I don't want to do this. What are people going to think about me? I like the applause of people. I like the approval of man. And man, I, I, I'm just too afraid of what people are going to think. And I think, Come on, we've gotten too consumed with what people think about us. Like, I mean, there's a lot of Christians today that won't even pray over their food in a restaurant for what people think about them. Come on, the world's loud and proud, so should the church. Come on, either, either you believe in this stuff or you don't, right? I love this verse in Proverbs 29. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever who trusts in the, in the Lord is kept safe. Come on, like don't, don't be ashamed. Come on people, don't be ashamed of your God. 
don't, don't be ashamed. I, I know sometimes during worship, I know there are a lot of you, you just want to. You want to go. You see people lifting their hands and people clapping and people worshiping God freely. And you're like, I want to so bad. I just would love to do that. And it just seems so freeing. And I love God that way. And, and, but I don't know what people are going to think about it. So this is what we do. We go. <laughs> you know, and just looking around. Come on. No, and what you find out is when you finally go all in for God, the people that are all in for God are already all in for God. They're not looking at you. They're worshiping their God anyways. Like I, like I here's the, here it is. I won't be silent for my God. You know, the church, in, the church in Europe during the Holocaust, they, they were embarrassed. They saw these train loads being filled up with the Jewish people, train cars, Loads of just humans going to these concentration camps. And they didn't do anything. They didn't respond to it because they were too afraid of what culture would think of them. And if you go visit the museum and you read some of the stories, what, what they'll say to you is the church in Europe, when these cars would load up to, to not hear the screams of the people in the cars, they would just sing their hymns even the louder. And they interviewed him. Why didn't you do something? To which they said they were afraid of what culture, how it would look upon them if they did this. My response to this is you have to be more concerned with obeying God than looking foolish. And I think here's another reason why there's some of Jonah and a lot of us. Is I think we're afraid to take the first step. Like, like if you're taking notes, like that's a thought. A lot of us, we don't, we don't wanna take that first step. Like we don't wanna, like I, like I wanna lead a group, but I don't know what it's gonna be like. And uh, like what's it gonna be the first time someone rings my doorbell and there's a bunch of people in my living room that I don't know, what am I going to do? And, and I'm just saying, before you even go that far, just sign up to be a small group leader for your training. And see, like, like, here's what I'm saying. Like, have you ever gone swimming in the, in the springs here in Florida? In freshwater springs? I mean, that water is cold. It is, I mean, it is miserably cold. And some of us, we're doing this. We just put one toe in. It's like, ooh, no way. Like, rather than one, like, no, no. And then if you just keep that toe in for a little bit, little bit, then you'll have your ankle, and then you'll be knee, and before, and your knees into your waist, and before long, it'll still be cold, it'll be uncomfortable, but you'll still start eventually becoming refreshing. You gotta take the first step. Hebrews 11, verse seven says this. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Like, I... Like, he, before he even saw the rain, he built an ark. He, he had to take the first step. And I think today, for a lot of people, is a nudge to obey God. Like, there's some things that God's talking to you about. Today's the nudge. And I'll wrap it up with this verse. 1 Kings 19 and verse 11 says this. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. I thought, well, what is the Holy Spirit whispering to you today? Like he's not in all the things we think he's in, but what is he whispering to you today? And, and I just thought, I sat down in my office and I was praying for you all and I just jotted some things that maybe that God would whisper to you. I don't know. Maybe he's whispering this to you. It's time. Maybe he's whispering, hang in there. You're thinking about quitting, but hang in there. Maybe he's whispering, don't do it. Maybe he's whispering, do it. Maybe he's whispering this to you. Apologize today. Maybe he's whispering this to you. Get some help. Like you know. Like you, you've got to get some help. Like that issue in your life is no longer just, just a habit. It's become an addiction. It's time to get some help. Maybe he's whispering this to you. Take, take the risk. Take the risk. Like, like maybe it's time to start that business. Maybe it's time to launch out and obey God. Maybe he's maybe the Holy Spirit's whispering this to you. There's more. There's more. Maybe he's whispering, it's time. May I think this is the one that I think he's whispering to all of us for sure. And that is, you can do it. But here's what you have to know. You have to step out to obey God. You have to take the first step. I, you know what I found out? Safe, safe Christianity is no fun. Come on. Like, safe, safe Christianity is not fun. We serve the creator of the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. We serve a God that says with man it's impossible, but with God it's possible. We serve a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what we could ask, think, or even imagine. We serve a God who became a man, died on the cross, and could have lived forever, but chose to die, not just to redeem you, but so the Holy Spirit could live in you. We serve a God that lives on the inside of you right now. We serve a God that says, hey, I will give you the mind of Christ. You can have my wisdom. You can have the wisdom of God. Guys, you can do anything. And I know some of you say, but what if? But what if I try to obey God and nothing happens? I love this verse in Matthew 28 and 20. It says this, and be sure of this. I am with you always even to the end of this age. Thank you for listening to the East Coast Believers Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more info about this podcast or other resources, visit eastcoastbelievers.org.